Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vito Sobral. How long can you last without checking your social media accounts? You're probably now wondering what's the latest on Twitter, aren't you? All right, go and check and come back. In this episode, we're going to focus on the distractions of social media. Oh, wow, Cristiano Ronaldo just posted. Uh, Sorry, social media distraction among athletes. And joining us to discuss this is someone who's published several articles on social media and sport, so she's not going to be distracted by her Twitter and Instagram feeds. She's a research assistant at Victoria University and Griffith University. It's Michelle Hayes. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Vito. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. And Michelle and co-authors Kevin Philo, Andrea Guerin, and Carolyn Rio recently published an exploration of the distractions inherent to social media use among athletes. So, Michelle, I've been lucky enough to work on several major sport events as a journalist, and I was constantly distracted by social media. Someone even told me once that I should iron my shirt, uh, so I was focused on my shirt completely for the whole tournament. Now, I can only imagine what that's like for athletes. So how did your research help us understand what's going on uh, during these major events? Our work kind of fed into the debate around social media whether it's a distraction for athletes, whether they should be using it, whether or not they should be using it and what they should be doing and focusing on because after all events, they are there to compete. Yeah, so there's been a lot of debate around pulling out specific examples of an athlete shouldn't have been doing this, they should have been doing that. So what we wanted to do was get down to exactly what it is about social media that could be distracting to athletes And I guess also, is it all bad, which was something interesting that we did find was that, no, perhaps it's not all bad and that sometimes a distraction could actually be a good thing and actually help athletes in their competition. And so that was one of the important things about our research was potential performance implications then of distractions. So if it's a bad distraction, could it then impact their performance? And as we know, at major events, performance and success is measured by medals. Yeah, so we wanted to really get down to what were athletes dealing with, what were the elements that were distracting them, and was it all good and was it all bad? So how did you come up with this idea? Were you performing at an event once and found yourself, oh, there's social media, it's cool, can't stop looking at it? Absolutely not. I am not an athlete by any means. Um, I wish, but no way in hell. Um, So one of the things that really caught my eye was the 2012 London Olympic Games, um, an Australian swimmer, Emily Seabom, she was a gold medal favourite in the backstroke, especially leading into that Games as well. So that Games was actually one of the first events where social media had a huge presence and started to really become present and everybody using it and everybody talking about it for various things. So one of the issues with Emily Seabom was that she then ended up getting silver, which to you and I doesn't sound so bad, but for her, she was quite distraught with her performance and her result at the end of that race because she put, well, there was a lot of pressure on her to win gold and she did put it down to the fact that she maybe spent too much time on Twitter in the days leading up to the race and that she was receiving all these positive messages, which sounds good, but it made her start to believe that perhaps she had already won the race before she had even swum it. And so it was things like that where we wanted to explore a little further and if that was happening to 
other athletes and then that also leads into the elements so whether or not this positive support could actually be a bad thing when you know it doesn't typically sound like it could be to understand this you use distraction conflict theory now to me that sounds like getting distracted on social media and then getting really angry and violent um is that what it's about or can you tell us what it's about and why it was important to use this theory Yeah, so the theory comes more from the psych and technology space. So we kind of borrowed that and applied it to this area. So distraction conflict theory or DCT, it essentially suggests that the presence of others can distract an individual and lead to an attentional conflict. So the conflict isn't like having an argument. It is more about the attention and where your attention should be directed so it's, it's broken down into three phases or steps, essentially. And the first is that other people can be distracting. And as we know with social media, its main platform and facilitation is basically communicating with other people. So that's one of the key areas that we thought would be useful with the theory. And then the distraction then from engaging with these people can lead to attentional conflict. And for athletes, that could mean either focusing on their preparation or training, or if they're just about to race, whether or not they're in the zone. The theory also then stipulates that conflict that you're having then can lead to impaired performance of the task that you're supposed to be focusing on. And just to get the authentic Australian sound, we can hear the magpies in the background. So just in case anyone was wondering, where's Michelle? She's in Australia. (laughs) Now, when you were reading this, were you actually thinking, did, did you think about how this applies to you? Because you go, that's what I'm thinking right now. It's like, oh, I've got to stop doing some of these things. Absolutely. Because as a social media researcher, you're also looking a lot at social media. And I mean, to me, looking at social media is also an escape from every day-to-day things. So from work, it's a bit of a procrastination tool, to be honest, which is probably the distraction part of the concept but yeah I I kind of obviously I'm not an athlete so I didn't resonate with some of the things that they were saying but at the same time yeah it kind of made me step back and think oh maybe I need to sometimes switch off my phone or put it in a drawer or lock it up somewhere so I can get away from it as well because it's becoming a bit too much yeah so when you were going through the literature what did we know about um, social media distraction and athletes Uh, Very little, actually. So which was one of the also main driving factors for doing this study, because it was more it was more in the industry discussion sort of area where lots of different stakeholders were voicing their opinions on it. But then when we come to the literature, it's more about athletes, what the motives for using social media. So things like fan engagement, gathering information, sharing information, promotional tools so promoting sponsorships or wanting to gain sponsorships so it was more focused on I guess the positive sides and the positive aspects of social media for athletes but then not coming back and saying well there could be some issues here as well because as we know like social media is not all positive and um, there's definitely things out there that are not going to be very pretty. So more focused on the branding side of athletes and how they can use social media to, to benefit themselves. So you were looking at, well, how actually does this impact them when they're about to, yeah. to, uh, to perform? Now, to do this research, you, you conducted 15 interviews. Why do you think it was, it was useful to use that, uh, that method, the interviews, and who did you end up speaking with? 
Yeah, so we ended up speaking with Australian athletes in Olympic sports. And so what we wanted to do also was try and interview them around a time that they had come out of a major event, whether it was an Olympic Games or a major sport event like a World Championships. That way their experience was fresh in, fresh in their minds. Um, and the reason that we also did want to go with athletes was because it was, after all, it was their use or the distraction was impacting them. So rather than perhaps going to other stakeholders that may have had a little bit of bias, um, we did kind of want to speak and get first-hand accounts and first-hand perspectives from the athletes themselves as to what was impacting them and I guess what wasn't impacting them as well. Uh, how were they? Were they happy to, to, to do this? Were they a bit nervous about talking to you? Um, that's a very good question. And I will say that it did take about six months to do 15 interviews. So it was quite, it was quite an extended period of time trying to get athletes and also trying to actually get in touch with them as well was quite difficult. And I mean, they're busy people, obviously, they have lots of other things that they have going on, particularly with Olympic athletes as well. They have training and competitions, but then a lot of them also work. So a lot of them are pretty busy and it was quite a challenge, but glad that we got there in the end. Did any of them, while they were talking to you, then suddenly realise that they were doing something that they probably shouldn't have? No, no, I don't think so. I think while, they, while their attention was on the interview, they were quite, they were willing and forthcoming. We did most of the interviews via phone. So whether or not they were on a laptop checking Twitter at the same time, I can't tell. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it would be actually be interesting to know that. <laughs> yeah. Were there any realizations that after talking to you, they thought, I've got to stop doing some things during events now? I don't believe so. It was kind of interesting in a way. Some athletes, they drew on the experiences of others and some incidents that they had actually seen. So I, I'm not sure if this one was in the paper or not, but one of the examples that really comes to mind was around that branding aspect and focusing more on your image rather than competing and one athlete she was very very open about a teammate who she saw was sitting on the track warming up but using her phone and so she I guess she was very self-aware in the fact that she wouldn't do that herself and she just thought it was quite for lack of a better word stupid that was happening and so she yeah so she found that Athletes who do that, probably not doing the right thing and could harm them later. So it's like you're almost getting set to, to start your race and you're taking a selfie on the track. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, if you think about it, that's their job to be there competing. So I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be taking selfies just before I head into an office or something. <laughs> I don't like taking them at all. So uh, that, no. that, that rules me out. Um, now, what did you find uh, after speaking to them and analysing the data? Quite interestingly, there's no yes or no answer, essentially. So if somebody asks, so is social media distracting for athletes? It's yes and no. And it depends on the individual, uh, depends what they're doing and depends when they're doing it, essentially. So the answer really uh, is, it depends. Yeah, which doesn't sound great, I know, but it's, yeah, it's really individualistic and it can be good and it can be bad, which was something that I found quite interesting because leading into this as well, I maybe tended to gear towards that the distraction was potentially a 
negative thing. But yeah, so we found things uh, mostly linked to messaging functions and notifications and of course the other people, so the followers and the fans and then also not the fans, the other people that just like to say things for the sake of saying them. But then also just the fact that you can use social media just to switch off if you're feeling a little bit stressed or a little bit anxious and also like a lot of these events they're overseas as well and sometimes families can't make it so athletes like to use those kinds of platforms to keep in touch with their family and their friends and what's happening back home makes them feel a a little bit more level and grounded and a bit more calm about it so I think that was one of the the key findings and something that we found quite interesting actually. So I guess that that goes into the mood management, I think was one of the themes that that you found. And one of the the ones that I looked at that I think is really interesting is that susceptibility to unwanted commentary. I guess that's what you're talking about, the the negative aspects. What did you find with this? How did that actually uh, manifest itself? It's unfortunate, but yeah, essentially because athletes have such a presence on social media and it kind of feeds into the other branding theme as well. Like athletes need to use social media to brand themselves and attract themselves to sponsors, which can earn them an income. So they need to be out there, but then that also opens them up to a lot of criticism and unwanted commentary, which is what we found. So it can be really anything. It can be just criticism about their performance or just random silly things that people like to say just for the sake of saying them, which it it is ridiculous. And it would be good if that part of social media didn't exist but unfortunately it does. And so that's quite tricky for athletes to navigate as well because they obviously do want to use it to engage with people and for more positive aspects. But then, yeah, you can't really stop somebody from saying something mean and ridiculous, basically. It's interesting too, because many, I think, supporters believe, well, athletes are tough. You know, they, they have to deal with a lot of things. They should just deal with the vitriol that, uh, that gets thrown at them. What did you find when you were talking to the athletes about that though? They know that that's a possibility. So they're quite aware of that's going to happen. And some of them, like they said, they say, you know, sometimes it's easy just to put it out of your mind. Who cares? I don't know this person. But then after a while, I guess if it's the same thing over and over again, then it can start to eat away at you. And I mean, even if it's not true or you don't believe it or it is silly and ridiculous, it still starts to become that sort of stain on your social media page where yes, someone just keeps saying this to you and not necessarily you're going to start believing it, but then it does, it, yeah, it can start to eat away at you and make you feel a little bit more uncomfortable. The analogy that comes to mind, I, I'm not sure if you know it, is from Seinfeld when Elaine gets called big head and at first she doesn't care about it and then it becomes the biggest thing in the world. So uh, I think that uh, if we think about it from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good quote, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I I try to bring Seinfeld in everywhere. Um, Now, from from this research, how did this advance our understanding, particularly of the theory, but also of of this, uh, of the idea of social media distraction and, and, and athletes? Yeah, so I guess in terms of the theory, the theory itself has also been geared more towards that negative distraction outcome and so like I said one of the biggest findings from ours was that not all distractions were bad Um, so we kind of extended the theory in that way and also by applying it to a sport context and social media as well was something that was quite new and that hadn't been 
done before in this space and also maybe could be done in other areas as well because everybody uses social media these days. It's not just athletes who are using it. But in terms of practical outcomes, I think it's quite tricky for sport organisations to manage then if it's individual to each athlete. So early on we were seeing organisations like the AOC coming out and suggesting that they were going to do blanket social media bans. But if you have athletes who maybe get something positive out of having that connection or they use it in their day-to-day routine, then suddenly stopping that is actually going to have the opposite effect to what you want to have. So it's quite tricky for them to manage. But athletes, some of them, or the ones in our study, which was one of the themes that came up, was they're quite self-aware. And so one of the important things to do with social media is trial and error and working out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And then potentially organisations can step in and maybe look at the things that are not working for them and maybe try and help them or educate them on ways to overcome that. So if we're talking about the negative or unwanted commentary, then if it's becoming a problem, but the athlete still wants to use social media for other areas, then maybe sessions with sports psychologists might help them overcome that or even just finding ways to filter out that negative commentary as well. So it sounds like the the tool isn't so much a problem, it's just the way it's being used. Potentially, yeah. And also, I guess, with negative commentary, it's the users as well. (laughs) So the users are a problem here too. Um, Now, if you were uh, the head of a sport organisation or advising an athlete, what advice would you give? How would you tell them to approach a big uh, major sport event? So that's an excellent question. And again, it comes back to that individual piece. So I guess if it's a major sport event, it means that athletes have competed at other events leading up to this point. So then maybe perhaps asking them to reflect on what they've done in the past, what they found that has worked for them, what doesn't work for them, if they might be able to hand it over to somebody else just for those two weeks of the Olympic Games, for instance, Yeah, so it's just, it's really knuckling down to what works for them and what's going to help them, I guess, just remain focused on the competition. And then also, yeah, if they want to keep posting selfies in the village and that's what works for them, then I guess that's what works for them. (laughs) We can't really stop them from doing that if, if that's, yeah, their daily routine because then that can have adverse effects because suddenly it's a big shock to the system that they don't have their phone and then they might be stressing out or feeling a little bit anxious that they're missing something, which will then be a bigger issue. Do you think, though, from a sport organisation perspective, it might be difficult to have more individualist rules instead of blanket bans or blanket rules on, on how to use it? Yeah, absolutely. So because it is so individual, one of the better mechanisms, I guess, and something that athletes said as well in this paper was that education is key. So they need to be educated on the potential negative outcomes, the positive outcomes, and then how to harness those to make sure that they are getting the more positive rather than the negative. And then something around that is actually that they learn from examples from other athletes. So even if we use the example of Emily Seabom again, so perhaps it's maybe not reading 
the messages you were getting from fans a couple of days before your race or your swim or anything because if that's what's gonna make you distracted then perhaps not what you should be doing but yeah definitely it's it's tricky for organizations to take that individualistic approach especially when resources as well are quite tight Michelle, thanks so much. I think that's a, 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 this research is really going to be helpful for athletes and, and sport organizations, particularly when, when they head into sport events. I really hope so. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. Please head to the Sport Management Review website to check out all the latest research being published, including the article discussed in this episode an exploration of the distractions inherent to social media use among athletes from Volume 23, Issue 5. That's it for this episode, but take a look. There's plenty more that you can download to your favorite podcast player. Until then, it's bye for now.